0: What is going on sports fans welcome into season six episode two of the jack of all trade sports podcast we've got an absolutely loaded show for you this week the NFL is officially back week one of the season in the books we recap every game quickly in the fastest five minutes and then break down some of the bigger storylines after week one maybe a little bit of overreactions here but we're also going to talk about the Browns big win over the Bengals. Uh, what are the Jets going to do? Are they going to roll with Zach Wilson now that Aaron Rodgers is done for the year? We react to that and much, much more. NFL Week One. Then in Part Two, we got our NFL Week Two game picks. We pick every game, including the Browns Steelers Monday Night Football clash. We also talk some college football. Quinn Ewers has Texas officially back as they go into Tuscaloosa and beat down Bama. We'll react to that. The top twenty-five. Ohio State am I worried about the Buckeyes through two weeks talk everything college ball and a little bit of MLB the Guardian season seems to be over Terry Francona seems to be headed for retirement I talk about the state of the ball club in part two as well so thank you guys so much for tuning in this week and coming along on this journey today is Tuesday September 12th let's go Buddy, It's the greatest time of the year. Welcome back to Season 6, Episode 2 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. I'm your host with the most too sweet to be sour at the top of the hour on a Tuesday in mid-September. It's your man Jack Bernie here with you for the next hour talking everything in the world of sports. We're going to get to college football and the MLB a little bit at the, the end of this episode. So stick around for Part 2 if that's what you came here for. But I think you guys are all here to listen to my thoughts on the NFL. Football is back. Week one is in the books. And hey, you know what we're going to do right now? Fastest five minutes in sports as we recap week one. We start in Kansas City. Thursday night opener as the Lions traveled to face the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Travis Kelsey didn't play in this game, and as a result, Patrick Mahomes was forced to spread the ball around to 11 different pass catchers, completing 29, 21 of 39 passes for 226 yards and two touchdowns. He also added 45 yards on the ground on six rushes, but he could not win this game alone and got little help from his receivers. As Sky Moore put up a whopping .4 fantasy points for my fantasy team, no big deal. And Kadarius Toney had three critical drops, including one that led to a pick six. The Lions went on a marching drive early on as Jared Goff connected with Amon Ross St. Brown for the game's first touchdown, but it took until halfway through the fourth quarter for their offense to get back on the board. Goff led a big-time drive, a 75-yard touchdown drive on the back of 51 Josh Reynolds receiving yards, and a david montgomery touchdown and that ended up being the difference as the chiefs offense couldn't get back on track despite having the ball down one with less than two minutes left me thinks travis kelsey would have made a difference in this game but how about those motor city kitties the lions get a win 21 20. We go to Atlanta where the Falcons took on the Panthers and how about that Falcons defense led by a new defensive coordinator that got off to a hot start that included a big fourth down stop inside its own red zone as they beat the Panthers and welcomed Bryce Young to the NFL 24-10. In Baltimore, the Ravens took on the Texans and were bit by the injury bug but still were able to beat C.J. Stroud in his NFL debut. Perhaps the best rookie from this game wasn't the former Ohio State Buckeye, but receiver Zay Flowers, who's going to be a big part of Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin's offense. In the, this first quarter alone, he received four targets in one rushing attempt and finished the game with 87 rushing and receiving yards on 11 total touches, as the Ravens win 25-9. Sticking in the AFC North, we go to Cleveland in the Battle of Ohio. Where it seemed to be raining, the only place in Cleveland it seemed to be raining was over Cleveland Browns Stadium. Both passing offenses struggled heavily in this game. Joe Burrow, the newest highest paid player in the NFL, getting paid $275 million this week, went just 14 for 31 for 82 yards with no touchdowns. Deshaun Watson had better numbers, going 16 to 29 for 154 yards. One passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown. But the story of this game was two things that the Browns are going to hang their hat on this season. The running game and the defense. The Browns had more success on the ground with Nick Chubb running for 106 yards on 18 carries. And they got another 100 rushing yards on the combination of Deshaun Watson, Jerome Ford, and Elijah Moore. And how about the Browns' defense? The corners shut down T. Higgins and Jamar Chase as Higgins had zero catches, and the defensive line led by Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith put pressure on Burrow all game long, with Garrett coming up with a huge fourth-quarter, fourth-down sack, as the Browns dominate the Bengals 24-3. We go to Pittsburgh, where the lone bright spot for the Steelers was T.J. Watt, who dominated. But man, oh man, how about those 49ers? Brock Purdy threw a couple of touchdowns, Christian McCaffrey looked good, and when this team is fully healthy, I think they're the best team in football, as the Niners beat the Steelers 30-7. We go to Minnesota, where how about this? Baker Mayfield does his best Kirk Cousins impression during the 1 p.m. window and wins a game he shouldn't, as the Buccaneers turn the Vikings' one-score one, one score success from last season on its head as the Bucks beat the Vikings 20-17. We go to Indianapolis, where the Jags took on the Colts. Anthony Richardson impressed in his debut, running for a touchdown and throwing one, but had a crucial interception down three late in the fourth quarter. Trevor Lawrence started off right where he left off as he threw a couple of impressive touchdowns, including one to Calvin Ridley, who stepped right in as the lead receiver for this Jaguar scene. As the Jags win 31-21. We go to Washington. The Commander's defensive line took it to the Cardinals O-line, totaling 14 total pressures. The unit also secured two fumbles as Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen dominated this game with one and a half sacks for Sweat and one for Allen. Sam Howell ran in a touchdown in the fourth quarter as the Commanders beat the Cardinals 20 to 16. We go down to New Orleans where the Saints took on the Titans in a really physical game. And in the end, Derek Carr found Rashid Shaheed late in the fourth on a third down long pass down the sideline to clinch this one for the Titans as Ryan Tannehill throws three picks and the Saints go marching 16-15. We go to Seattle where the Rams took on the Seahawks. Now this Rams team is completely different from the one that won the Super Bowl two years ago, but several relatively unknown players stepped up to make an impact for LA in this game. How about rookie Puka Nakua and former second-round pick Tutu Atwell, having a combined 238 receiving yards. Geno Smith and the Seahawks' offense didn't get it going in the second half, as Sean McVay, Sean McVay proves he still owns Pete Carroll, as they beat the Seahawks 30-13. to The game of Week 1 happened in Los Angeles, as the Dolphins took on the Chargers. we are ask you one question. What defense, Tua Tunga-Viola, looked like the best quarterback in Week 1, tallying the fourth-most passing yards in the history of week one in the NFL as he threw for 466 yards 215 of those yards to Tyreek Hill who had the game-winning touchdown the Chargers offense choked on the last drive as they needed just a field goal to win it and they couldn't come through as Brandon Staley's seat gets a little bit hotter as the Dolphins win 36-34 we go to Chicago where it is the same as it's always been The Packers crush the Bears 38-20 as Jordan Love throws three touchdowns and Justin Fields throws a costly pick six. To Denver we go. The Russell Wilson, Sean Payton era got off to a clean but unexplosive start as Wilson completed 27-34 passes for 177 yards and two touchdowns. But it was Jimmy Garoppolo who got the last laugh. This guy wins games, no matter how bad I think he is. Raiders win. 17-16 To Foxborough we go now As the Eagles took on the Patriots Darius Slay returned a interception 70 yards for a touchdown 10 minutes in the game And the Eagles jumped out to a 10-0 lead But they tried to honor Tom Brady The Patriots did As TB12 was in the building And the Patriots almost came back As they were down 5 in the 4th quarter And driving inside the red zone But Mac Jones' 4th down pass Was complete but out of bounds, as the Eagles fly and survive 25-20. The Cowboys crush the Giants 40 to nothing. The Giants don't get the benefit of a recap. Lastly, we go to MetLife, where the Jets took on the Bills. Brees Hall looked as good as new, playing in his first game since tearing his ACL a season ago, finishing with 127 rushing yards on 10 carries, while adding 20 receiving yards. But this game took a turn for the worse four plays in as Aaron Rodgers tore his left Achilles and will miss the 2023 season. But the Jets wanted to win this game for the hometown fans as it was the most tickets sold in the history of MetLife Stadium. And the Jets did just that as Gibson returned a punt in overtime as the Jets beat the Bills 22-16. Week one of the NFL season is in the books. That was the fastest five minutes in football. And what a week one it was. There were a lot of storylines, a lot of surprises. We'll start with probably the biggest story. I normally start with the Browns because I am a Cleveland Browns fan. And I know a lot of my listeners are Cleveland Browns fans. We're going to have to put the Browns on the back burner for a minute. We got to start with last night's game between the Bills and the Jets. Um, This game, a lot of hype. You know, if you listen to our NFL preview, me and Chauncey, uh, the last episode of Jack of All Trades, we talked about biggest offseason storylines. And the biggest offseason storyline was Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay, going to the Jets, trying to bring the Jets to Super Bowl contention. You know, they were on hard knocks. Aaron Rodgers was in the best shape of his life. You know, this team felt like they were a quarterback away. They had the stud receiver, Garrett Wilson. They had, you know, the running back coming back from injury, but who was great last year, Brees Hall, who looked great tonight. They had the defense, who's gonna, who was a top-five defense last year. They felt like they were a quarterback away from being true contenders in the AFC. Only for four plays in, Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. I watched this whole game because I have Mondays off of work. I was shocked. I was shocked. Um... So, I, so I'm so i watching the game, you know, Aaron Rodgers runs out with the American flag, it's 9-11 in New York, he gets a loud ovation, I'm thinking to myself, man, this is so cool for the fans, the Jets fans, they haven't had anything to cheer about in a long time, you know, this is the most excited and hyped the Jets have been, as long as I can remember, I mean, the Jets, they went to back-to-back AFC championships in my lifetime, but the hype for Aaron Rodgers you know they were talking Super Bowl they had Super Bowl aspirations in New York the drive starts you know he hands to Brees Hall Brees Hall gets a 25 plus yard run the crowd's going crazy but I told you guys you know I picked the Jets to make the playoffs with Rodgers I will change that pick now that I know it's going to be most likely Zach Wilson for the rest of the year but I told you guys, the thing that wasn't allowing me to buy in fully to this Jets team and pick them to beat the Bills and, you know, the Dolphins and stuff in the AFC East was that offensive line. I knew that offensive line wasn't very good, and I thought that the offensive line would be a problem. I just didn't think it would cause Aaron Rodgers to get hurt and miss the entire season. He was under constant duress. He only took four snaps in this game, but there were guys in the backfield for three of those. And um, it wasn't an Achilles. Uh, if you watch the slow-mo replay of the injury, you can see the Achilles pop. It reminded me of when Kevin Durant got hurt in the finals a couple years ago against the Raptors when he was on the Warriors. You just saw, you just see the back of the leg kind of, you know, like, like recoil, kind of like a guitar string does. And Rodgers initially tried to stand up and he kind of looked around the sideline at the fans before going down and he I think he knew that he did something and, and that I meant he wasn't going to play again this year and it, 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 it stinks for him it stinks for the Jets fans you know um, you have to ask if this is the end for Aaron Rodgers he's been one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch in my lifetime I think probably the most talented quarterback I've seen it's him or Mahomes I think in my lifetime I rooted for him when he was in Green Bay I was Thrilled when he beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl in 2011. I got an Aaron Rodgers jersey after that, uh, so I've been a big fan of Aaron Rodgers on the field for a long time. And um, I hope it's not the end. He's a competitor. I hope he comes back. I know that the Achilles rehab is grueling, especially for a guy who's going to be 40. But man, oh man, I mean, just it, 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 the Jet. You know, the, the Jets are in the same breath as you know the Lions and the Browns in like in terms of a cursed franchise you know the Jets did win the Super Bowl they won the third Super Bowl with Joe Namath but they really haven't done anything since then and this was the the first time that Jets fans really had hope and for it to be you know snapped away like that due to an injury a freak injury you know on that MetLife field that's been you know a source of controversy for years and years and years four plays into his career his Jets career was was really crazy. And on top of that, you know, I was just shocked that Aaron Rodgers is missing the season. Looks like it's going to be Zach Wilson. But on top of that, I think some Jets fans would prefer if the Jets would have lost last night. Because, okay, if the Bill, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, the Bills, you know, crush you by 20. You're like, all right, season's over. We're moving on. But the Jets come back and win. They come back from down 13-3 to three and win. Uh, Garrett Wilson has a crazy touchdown to tie the game from Zach Wilson in the fourth quarter, um, and then to top it off, they get an outstanding punt return from Xavier Gibson, an undrafted rookie who makes the roster in overtime to beat the Bills, and they're one zero. And it it was kind of the thing that made it worse for Jets fans, in my opinion. I'm not a Jets fan; I'm a Browns fan, but I can I, 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 you know, this felt like. You know, you. I feel like the Jets fans, if if the season doesn't go how they planned it, they, they were hoping it would, which obviously without Aaron Rodgers, it's not going to. But you saw Garrett Wilson play well, Had that crazy touchdown. You saw Brees Hall look close to the Brees Hall that we saw last season. And you saw how good the defense was. They turned Josh Allen over four times, which we're going to talk about that in a minute. Is Josh Allen as good as we thought? I think no but they get three interceptions from jordan whitehead they get a forced fumble from josh allen i mean the the defense played great they sacked josh allen six times the jets fans are going to wonder what could have been with aaron Rodgers because the team outside of quarterback now with zach wilson is loaded and ready to compete i just don't know if zach wilson is the answer so that 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 uh, We're going to talk about the Bills in a minute because we are going to talk about this game as a whole and what it means. Um, I don't think the Jets are a playoff team with Zach Wilson. I've seen enough of Zach Wilson. He had a really, really bad interception where he just did not read the defense. Um, he threw it right to the Bills linebacker across the middle last night. He had the touchdown, but if you rewatch that Garrett Wilson catch, which was an outstanding catch by Garrett Wilson, but if you rewatch that play closely... Garrett Wilson was kind of playing it like a DB because he was trying to bat the ball away from a defender because it could have got picked off. Wilson hits it with his right hand. it kind of gets tipped back to him and he realizes he's gonna he can make a play on the ball and then he catches it. But Zach Wilson didn't play great at all and you know he, he was really bad last year. There's a reason they went and got Aaron Rodgers. And Robert Salah can go up there in front of the media today and say, Zach's our guy, Zach's our quarterback one, but they owe it to Garrett Wilson. They owe it to that defense. They owe it to the fan base to go and try and find another option at quarterback. Whether that's trading for Jacoby Brissett, who's on the commanders. We saw Jacoby do well for the Browns last year. Whether it's getting Jameis Winston, whether it's, heck, luring Tom Brady out of retirement. Anything should be on the table, because I don't know how you can seriously trot out Zach Wilson for the next 16 games and claim that you're trying to win. We know that Zach Wilson's not an NFL quarterback. I'm sorry. He's not. He proved that. So I'm just interested to see what the Jets do. I think they have to bring, at least bring in competition for Zach Wilson, whether it's a veteran free agent. Like, you know, I'm trying to think who's available. Carson Wentz? Or, you know, do you trade for Davis Mills? Like, I mean, the options aren't great, but I feel like you got to at least bring competition for Zach Wilson because we know what he is. He's proven what he is. So that's my opinion on the Jets dilemma. I do not think they're a playoff team. I think they have a very talented roster, but without Aaron Rodgers, I don't see them doing anything. For the Bills, um, I picked the Bills to make the AFC Championship. Again, uh, I think they're a very good team. I think Josh Allen is still a top-five quarterback. I don't think he's top-three anymore. Um, but what is he doing? Uh, he just turned the ball over entirely too much. Since he's entered the league in 2018, he has fumbled at 51 times, had 21 of those fumbles lost. He threw a lot of interceptions last year. I think he let, he was either leading the league or second in the league in interceptions maybe first in the league in turnovers something like that last year the turnovers are a big problem for Josh Allen (coughs) I think he's a very good player still but if you want to call him overrated because of how much he turns the ball over you can't and they need him to be good because they don't have a great running game uh Joe Buck during the broadcast last night kept saying James Cook looked phenomenal and he had 12 carries for 46 yards. So I don't know where where he was coming up with phenomenal. Stephon Diggs was great. The defense played okay, but they need Josh Allen to be Josh Allen if they want to compete in the AFC and be a Super Bowl contender like they think that they can be. And he turned the ball over entirely too much for my liking. He's got to clean that up if the Bills want to accomplish all that I think and that they think they're capable of this season. So the Jets win, but lose Aaron Rodgers for the remainder of the season. That's the biggest storyline out of week one. Let's talk Browns. Uh, the Browns absolutely dominate the Bengals 24-3. to Joe Burrow 14-31 for 82 yards mere days after being uh, being made the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. Five years, $275 million on the new contract for Joe Burrow. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons for this result. Um, first off, or for Joe Burrow's struggles. First off, I think the Browns defense played really, really, really good. Um, they bring in Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator. I think that was the biggest move the Browns made in the offseason. Um I said it during our NFL preview with Chauncey. I said Jim Schwartz is gonna unlock some things in this defense. And one of the things I loved was seeing him move Miles Garrett around. Miles Garrett, you know, that one play that went viral on social media, him, you know, doing the crossover dribbles in front of the Bengals' center before, you know, o- Okoronkwo gets in the backfield for a sack. Miles Garrett had a big time sack on fourth down in the fourth quarter on Joe Burrow. Um, the defensive line dominated. Zadarius Smith didn't get any sacks, but, you know, just his presence on the other side of the line with Miles Garrett was felt. Um, the corners played outstanding. Grant Delpit played great. Denzel Ward and, you know, Martin Emerson and Greg Newsom had great games as well. And the Browns' defense, I really can't complain. Um, the weather was bad. I think it led to struggles with both Burrow and Watson. But I also think Burrow struggled because, you know, he had that calf injury that kept him out most of training camp. And we saw him struggle last year when he didn't play a training camp because of the appendix issue. Um... It was basically like a preseason game for him. First time he's going against up against live action. So I think that's why he struggled. I still think the Bengals are going to be fine. But this is more about the Browns. The Browns own the Bengals. They've won. They're, Joe Burrow's 1-5 against the Browns. He, the Bengals haven't won a game in Cleveland since, um, I believe it was 2017, the, the 0-16 season for the Browns. That was the last time the Bengals won in Cleveland. The Browns just have the Bengals number and it was good to see this week one result. I want the Browns had to start off good for me to be confident that they're going to make the playoffs. I still think they're going to go 10 and seven. And after the Jets injury, I would slide the Browns into the playoffs possibly in my new playoff rankings. Um, Nick Chubb looked great. Um, 106 yards averaging six yards a carry Deshaun Watson. Um, he is the key for the Browns this season. If he can be better than last year and close, doesn't have to be as good, better than the guy he was in Houston. But if you can get close to that production, get back to that Pro Bowl level, the Browns are going to be one of the top teams in the AFC and have a chance to win the AFC North. He struggled on Sunday. He had his moments. I love the last drive before halftime when he runs in the touchdown. He was great on the ground, five yard, five carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he throws the touchdown to Harrison Bryant. He had a bad interception that got tipped by one of the Bengals. But overall, I expect more from Watson. 154 yards, one touchdown, one pick, one rushing touchdown. But he wasn't bad, and he was better than he was last year. And as the season goes on, you have to think he improves And with the weather being better as well. But I was really impressed with the Browns. I was really impressed with Kevin Stefanski. Um, One reason why I was so disappointed in Watson's play on Sunday was because Stefanski called the right plays. He schemed the guys wide open. There were a couple plays where Marquise Goodwin, Amari Cooper were running down the field wide open and Watson just missed them. Watson missed a ton of throws. Uh, He had wide open guys all all, all over the field though. So, I mean, that's a positive that the Browns were able to scheme those guys open. I think this is a playoff team. I know I didn't pick them to make the playoffs in our season preview. But after watching week one and seeing what I think is the potential of that defense and Watson being a little better than he was last year, I think this Browns team should make the playoffs. And um, yeah, I mean... I'm not much to complain about as a Browns fan about week one. I think they were one of the top performing teams in week one in terms of defensive defensively for sure. And they shut down Joe Burrow and the Bengals and they got a division win. And I think they have a great chance to make it 2 zero in Pittsburgh this coming Monday night. So those are my Browns takeaways. They do lose Jack Conklin for the season. He tears ACL and MCL. Um, That is very tough to see for Jack Conklin. But they have Dewan Jones, the rookie from Ohio State, filling in. I think he's a more than capable fill-in at that position. The two biggest winners in terms of score on week one on Sunday were the 49ers and the Cowboys. Um, Chauncey and I are both high on the 49ers and Cowboys. We both had them making the playoffs. I think I had the 49ers... In the Super Bowl. Chauncey had the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. So if you listen to our season preview, you know that we were high on both these teams. I don't know if I saw this level of dominance from both these teams coming in week one. I believe <laughs> if you also listened to the end of that episode last last time out, I believe I picked both the Giants and the Steelers to win. Uh, whoops. <laughs> um, the 49ers went healthier, the best team in football. Brock Purdy looked good on Sunday, especially in the first half. He just needs to be a game manager, and I think he knows that. They get Nick Boza back. They make him the highest defensive played player. They have a great pass rush. Those linebackers fly to the ball. When those when they have Kittle, McCaffrey, and Debo healthy, the skill position is insane. And Brandon Ayuk, oh, by the way, had two receiving touchdowns as well. They have one of the top five coaches in the league and Kyle Shanahan. 49ers are a great team, and they're going to be a problem all year long, and I think They're going to run away in the NFC West. The Cowboys. The big story for the Cowboys was the defense. They get a pick six and a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. They sacked Daniel Jones, I think, like eight times. They went 40 to nothing. Dak didn't even have to throw it that much. Tony Pollard had a couple of touchdowns. Cowboys could be really good as well. um, This season. Other games that, you know, surprised me. I was kind of surprised by the Packers' level of dominance over the Bears. I thought the Packers were going to win that game just because the Bears were the worst team in the league last year. They lost their last 10 games. I was shocked they were favored in week one because the the really big thing that they added to the roster was DJ Moore, but they still had a hurt offensive line. Um, Jordan Love looked good. And like I said, I think the Packers are a playoff team. So that didn't surprise me too much. But I thought the Bears would be a little bit more competitive. I was very surprised the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield beat the Vikings. I still think the Vikings have a chance to be good. But now I'm not so sure. Um, We heard it all offseason. Oh, the Vikings went 11-0 and one-score games last year. There's no way that happens again. And... Lo and behold, they lose their first one-score game this year. So, that was surprising. Gotta give major props to the Miami Dolphins. And more specifically, Tua Tonga viola After watching Week 1, I'll say it. The AFC East is the Miami Dolphins' division to lose. Tyree Kill was incredible. And Tua, I'll admit, I'm not the biggest Tua fan. Nothing against Tua. I think part of it is because I feel like the Dolphins fans overrate Tua and kind of shove it down our throats on Twitter and social media. And I also think him being in the same draft class as Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and some Dolphins fans claiming he is better than Justin Herbert has made me annoyed because I don't think he is in the same category as both those dudes. But he is still a very good quarterback. And he's got one of the game's two best receivers in Tyree Kill. And he's got one of the game's best top 15 receivers in Jalen Waddell. Uh, the defense struggled against the Chargers. But the Chargers are a great offensive team. But Tua, if Tua can stay healthy, which is a big if, I think this Dolphins team is going to win the AFC East. Mike McDaniel's a good play caller. And they have great athletes on the outside with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, who can just get open at will. Uh, Raheem Mostert looked good on Sunday as well. So I was really impressed with the Dolphins. They were one of the teams I was most impressed with in week one of the season. I'm not too panicked about the Chiefs after losing week one. I will say this. I did have a couple of overreactions to get to. So we'll get to the overre- overreactions now. Overreaction Tuesday, we'll call it, since you know normally guys do overreaction Monday. But we wait till the Monday night's game over on J- Monday night game is over to react on jack of all trades overreaction number one the the NFC is better than the AFC if you look at the three top teams in the NFC the Philadelphia Eagles they went 25-20 against the Patriots but a very winnable game for the Pats but I think they're way better than what they showed on Sunday. The San Francisco 49ers, who beat the Steelers 30-7. to And the Dallas Cowboys, who beat the Giants 40 nothing. Those three teams, the Eagles, Niners, and Cowboys, are better than any team in the AFC. They would all three be the best team in the AFC. That's my first overreaction, and that the NFC as a conference is better than the AFC. We'll go one step further. More overreaction. The Super Bowl winner will come out of the NFC. That's my first overreaction after week one. My second overreaction after week one is that the AFC as a conference is wide open. The Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs all lose. They all have question marks after week one. Maybe it's the Dolphins' year. Maybe it's the Browns' year, you know? Like... I don't know. I feel like there's legit questions for the uh, three top contenders in the AFC. You know, the Chiefs don't have good receivers at all. Josh Allen turns the ball over too much. Joe Burrow, we got to watch his calf. And that offensive line struggled on Sunday as well for the Bengals. Is the AFC wide open? That's overreaction number two. Try, I'll come up with one more overreaction for you. Let's see. Um, We're looking at the box scores. My third overreaction for Overreaction Monday... Overreaction Tuesday, excuse me... Is that the Buccaneers are going to win the NFC South. Um... I wasn't overly impressed by any team in the NFC South. I think the Panthers might be the worst team in the league this year. Um, The Falcons, they win against the Panthers. Defense looks good. I think Desmond Ritter sucks. No offense to Desmond Ritter. I'm sure he's a stand-up guy. I just don't think he's a good quarterback. The Saints, they win. Derek Carr looks mediocre at best. Are the Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers, the best team in the NFC South. That's my third overreaction. But in all honesty, I'm not worried about the Chiefs. They didn't have their second and third best player. Kelsey was out with injury. Chris Jones was out um, with the contract out. They are both back this week, presumably against the Jags. I was impressed with Trevor Lawrence in the Jags week one, too, as they beat the Colts. I think Trevor Lawrence, Chauncey was on this take pretty early. As was Nick Wright of Fox Sports 1. I think Trevor Lawrence is better than Josh Allen now. I'm ready to say that. The Trevor Lawrence MVP hype train is pulling into the station. He's on my fantasy team too. I think he's better than Josh Allen. Maybe a little bit of an overreaction. But he takes care of the ball a a heck of a lot better. Maybe he's taking that leap. I don't know. Maybe he has. A team I am worried about that I did have in the playoffs. We talked about the Jets. A little worried about the Chargers. Pretty, pretty worried about the Baltimore Ravens. Um, They beat the Texans. They don't look great. Lamar struggles. Zay Flowers looks good. That's the biggest positive I could take away. But they get bit by the injury bug. Ronnie Stanley leaves. J.K. Dobbins tears his Achilles. Man, the Ravens team, i was it last year they got... It was last year or the year before they got just hammered by injuries. And I, I'm afraid it's happening again. And I don't know. I'm just a little worried about them after watching week one. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. College football talk and MLB talk. But first, week two picks. We pick every game, talk about all the games, and much, much more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. This is wrestling legend John Cena, and you can't see me, but you're listening to this week's episode, Jack of All Trades. Here's part two. It was 1950 in the cold and rain when my father took me to my first game. Yeah. Rounds are gonna show you how the game is played. Here we go again. Ken Carmen and the Ken Carmen Show, my favorite Cleveland radio show to listen to, sports wise. Um, yeah, it's okay to be excited about the Browns. Browns fans, they're gonna they're gonna be a good team. They are a good team. They're gonna be a playoff team, and you can have hope this season. It's okay. I know I sure do. That's an overreaction Tuesday as well. We forgot to do that last segment. Browns are winning the Super Bowl. Overreaction, delusion, maybe overreaction. hundred percent. Do I think they're a playoff team? I actually do. Without further ado, we're going to get to week two of picks in a second here. So, yeah, a lot of good games in week two of the schedule, the NFL schedule. We got a Thursday night game. We'll start there. Eagles, Vikings, in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. Um, We saw this game on primetime last year, I believe. I think it was a Monday night game. I think the Eagles just... Absolutely boat race the Vikings, if I remember it correctly. Uh, I don't think... I don't know if... I'm trying to... I gotta find the spread for this game. I would guess the Eagles are like seven-point favorites. Uh, I like to look at the spread because um, when making my picks, like game picks who I think is going to win, because it tells you... um, NFL Week 2 spreads. Because um, spreads are interesting because it doesn't tell you... How much Vegas or the bookies or the sports book or whatever – what they think is going to happen, the spread is made by Vegas and by these – and this is just me sharing some of my sports betting knowledge with you guys. The spread is made the way it is because it plays to how they think the public are going to react and how they think the public are going to bet and they – Formulate the spreads based on what they think the public will think. Not necessarily what they think. I was, I nailed it. I said I think the Eagles are going to be favored by seven. They're favored by seven. Um, And I think they're going to win this game against the Vikings. Um, The Eagles didn't, (coughs) excuse me, got to drink some H2O. We are sponsored by water on this podcast. As I was saying, the Eagles did not impress me. Week one as much as I thought they were going to, but um, they're still one of the best three teams in the, in the league. Like, they they didn't have their best game and they still won against a, a good Patriot. Uh, well, if you listen to my best bets, I think the Patriots are gonna have a bad record, but a well coached Patriots team at home. Uh, they were still able to win that game 25-20. You know, they got great one-two receivers and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Jalen Hurts, I think, is a good MVP candidate. They got a good defense still, and um, they got a good running game as well. And the Vikings didn't impress me at all. I thought they were one of my locks of week one to beat the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Baker Mayfield, and they lose that game at home. So I'm not expecting much from the Vikings this season. So I got the Eagles beating the Vikings on Thursday night. Packers-Falcons in Atlanta Sunday at 1. Um, a little surprised the Packers are favored at one minus one 1.5 here. Uh, the Packers and Falcons both coming off wins week 1. The Packers looked a lot better than the Falcons did, but they were against, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like Atlanta at home, I think, to win this game. I feel like it's a good letdown spot for the Packers after beating the Bears in the fashion that they did. My lock of the week is, I think it's the Bills, minus nine at home against the Raiders. I think they went outright. I don't know if they went by nine, but I think they beat the Raiders. Um, Bills coming off a loss to the Jets last night in week one. I don't think they start 0-2. I think they win at home. I don't think the Raiders are very good. I think the Raiders are going to be pretty bad this year. I was surprised they won week one. But the Bills, man, they are – I still think they're going to be good. And I think they're going to have to win in Buffalo – Against the Raiders if they want to be as good as I think they can be. So, so far I've picked all the home teams. That trend is going to continue. I'm going to take the Bengals over the Ravens. They are three and a half point favorites against the Ravens. Uh, I don't know. Do I want to pick the Ravens here? Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Ravens are going to cover that three and a half point spread. Something about Joe Burrow worries me. We saw it last year. Remember, the Bengals started 0-2 last year. I believe one of those two losses was to a Cooper Rush-led Cowboys team. Because if you remember, Dak got hurt early last year. Um, But I think part of the reason why he struggled so much last year and why he struggled so much against the Browns is because he didn't play in training camp, didn't play in the preseason. Um, This was his first live-action reps he's seen, and he's a little bit rusty. And... um, The Ravens didn't look that much better than the Bengals did week one. They won, though. They scored 25 points, so they did look a lot better since they scored 25 points. God, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's going to be a close game, I think. I'll stick with the Bengals because they're at home, but I would not be shocked at all to see the Ravens win, uh, despite all their injuries. Seahawks at Lions. In Detroit, the Lions are six-point favorites. I'm going to take the Lions at home. Uh, Chargers-Titans, this is a game I have no read on. I could see the Chargers winning by 30. I could see the Titans winning by two touchdowns. I can see this game going either way. The Chargers are three-point favorites on the road. I'm going to take the Chargers on the road uh, because I think they are still a good team, but I would not shock me at all if the Titans are going to win. Part of the reason I'm not picking the Titans is because Ryan Tannehill looked very, very, very bad in week one. Bears-Buccaneers, Buccaneers Buccaneers at home. I'm going to take the Buccaneers at home. The Bears really played uninspiring football, in my opinion, on Sunday. And uh, it did not give me confidence to pick them the rest of this season. Chiefs at Jaguars, perhaps the game of the week in Jacksonville. Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey are back for the Chiefs. I'm going to pick the Chiefs on the road at Jacksonville. I just don't think the Chiefs start 0-2. I know that's not a great reason for picking them over the Jags because I think the Jags are going to have a great year as well, but I think the Chiefs are going to win that game. Um, One of the Who Cares games of the week is the Colts-Texans in Indy. The Colts are underdogs. I like the Colts to win in Houston. I think Anthony Richardson looked a lot better than people thought and a lot better than C.J. Stroud did week one which is why I'm leaning in the Colts to beat the Texans week two 49ers Rams in LA. I'll pick the 49ers when they're healthy. I don't know. Like, there's only a handful of teams. I would expect to them to lose to the, who cares game of the week officially. Well, there's a couple week weeks ago here. I think the giants, uh, the giants Cardinals is one of the worst games of the week. The giants are four point favorites in Arizona. Cardinals played hard on Sunday against the commanders. Uh, they didn't look as nearly as bad as I thought they would, but they still did lose. Um, the Giants look god awful. I'll take the Giants on the road to win over the Cardinals. Jets, Cowboys. Uh, that spread was three for the Cowboys before the Aaron Rodgers injury. It's now up to eight and a half after the Aaron Rodgers injury. The Cowboys are not losing to Zach Wilson. I'll take the Cowboys. Commanders, Broncos. I will take the. Uh, I kind of like the Broncos at home to beat the Commanders. Um, Dolphins, Patriots, upset. I'm taking the Patriots in because it's in New England, Sunday Night Football. I like the Patriots to beat the Dolphins. Um Feels like a letdown spot for Miami. And I think the Patriots get uh outcoached from Mike McDaniel, Bill Belichick does. Saints-Panthers on Monday night. Two Monday night games this week, don't know why. I'm going to take the Saints on the road. I don't think the Panthers are very good. Then we got Browns Steelers Monday night. The Browns are two point favorites in this game. The first time the Browns have been favored in Pittsburgh since Bud Carson was the head coach. His first game as the Browns head coach, when the Browns went into Pittsburgh and beat the Steelers fifty one to nothing. That's the first time. That's the last time the Browns were favored in Pittsburgh. I think the Browns win this game in Pittsburgh. Um, I think Watson plays better. Um, I think the Browns' defense is gonna be real, and uh, without Deontay Johnson, that's a big loss for the Steelers. I think outside as a receiver, no Cam Hayward as well, so the Browns should be able to run the ball. I like the Browns to start two and zero. I think, and I think the Browns could win this game by a touchdown. Like I, I, I think the Browns could make it. Like I think the Browns could win by ten points. Like. I don't see it coming down to the wire. I think the Browns should and will win this game on the road in Pittsburgh with the injuries the Steelers have. So that's my those are my picks for week two of the NFL season. We got we got the Eagles over the Vikings, the Falcons over Green Bay, uh, the Bills over the Raiders, the Bengals over the Ravens, the Lions over the Seahawks, Chargers over Titans, Bucks over Bears. Chiefs over the Jags, Colts over the Texans, Niners over the Rams, Giants over the Cardinals, Cowboys over the Jets, Broncos over the Commanders, Patriots over the Dolphins, Saints over the Panthers, and the, and then we got the Browns over the Steelers. So those are our week two NFL picks. Let's talk college football. We are two weeks in for most teams, three weeks in for some in the college football season, and... There are some things I was wrong about already. If you listen to our college football preview, me and Gabe, me and my good friend Gabe, we previewed the college football preview a couple episodes ago on Jack of All Trades. There are some things I'm wrong about. Um, the first thing that I was the most wrong about was Clemson winning the ACC. Um, I picked Clemson to win the ACC over Florida State, and then Clemson loses to Duke week one, and they barely beat, um, who was it they played? they drop out of the top 25 but they they struggle a little bit in week 2 they they looked awful i mean they they lose 28 to 7 to duke i mean just how far the the has fallen at clemson i thought dabo was still a great coach and that clemson was going to be good but nah, i think they'd be be lucky to beat florida state i don't think it's going to happen i think florida state that big florida state got a big win against lsu in the first week that was probably one of the most impressive wins of the season so far but the most impressive win of the season so far is the Texas Longhorns. Um, they beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa only the th- eight, ninth time, I think. The ninth time that um, Nick, Saban, uh, Nick Saban-led team at Alabama has lost at home. Texas might be back. Quinn Ewers looked great. Um it was, it's a big win for Texas. And they look strong. Quinn Ewers looked great. Um Xavier Worthy, Adani Mitchell, Jordan Whittington were great receiving the ball. They were a more complete team than Alabama. And I mean, hey, I, I think they can win the Big 12. And now, now they are legit, they are legit playoff contenders now for this season. They are college football playoff contenders. 100%. I don't know if the Alabama dynasty is over. I picked Alabama to make the playoff in our college football preview. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I would lean towards Georgia making the playoff. I might even pick Texas over one over the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game, despite me picking Michigan to beat Ohio State and then Ohio State to win the title. Um, Ewers was great. I mean, he really impressed me. Um... The it was just a statement win for Texas, and um, I think they're for real. And I wouldn't be surprised if Texas is going to be one of those teams that's there at the end of the year. Um, elsewhere near the top college football, it's remained the same: Georgia, Michigan, Florida State are your top three. Florida State jumps into that top three after um, beating LSU week one. Georgia and Michigan have beaten cupcakes on their schedule so far, so that's been expected. Caleb Williams has looked great through three games at USC. They are number five. Ohio State is down to number six. Um, They struggled a little bit on offense week. One against Indiana, the Buckeyes did. Um, They they only scored 23 points, I believe, um, against the Hoosiers. And then last week against Youngstown State, they only put up 35 points, which, like, that's a game that Ohio State should be putting up 70 points in. And I know I'm grasping at straws here because they're 2-0. But um, Ryan Day does have confidence in Kyle McCord. He names Kyle McCord the QB1 at Ohio State for the remainder of the season. So Kyle McCord is the guy, it seems, for Ohio State. Look, when I picked Ohio State to lose to Michigan, and w- but make the playoff and win the title, I did so because I knew that Ohio State was going to be a different team near the end of the season than they are right now. And I expect some. I expected some growing pains, some early struggles from Kyle McCord and this Buckeye offense with the new quarterback. We saw it with JT Barrett. They win the title. We saw it with CJ Stroud. They are one of the best teams in the country for two years in a row. Like, they're going to be... Kyle Accord will be okay, I think. You know, I mean... He's got all the talent in the world in skill positions. Marvin Harrison Jr., two touchdowns on Saturday. Emeka Ukbuka, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Cade Stover, uh, Julian Fleming. They have all the talent in the world at those positions. The good news for Ohio State is, yes, it's been against Youngstown State and Indiana. The defenses look better. That's what you need. Penn State's look good. Uh, they look, re- Drew Aller, um, Medina, Ohio zone looked really good in week one against West Virginia as they beat the Mountaineers that week. Washington is number eight in the country. Uh, how about Michigan? S- they're playing Michigan state this week. How about Michigan state? Mel Tucker will not coach the Spartans. It was initially reported that he was fired due to a sexual, I think it was sexual assault, sexual harassment, uh, investigation. Um, but turns out he's actually just suspended for the time being. But Washington is number 8. They're facing the Spartans this week. Michael Penix, Heisman candidate, I think. Notre Dame, number 9. Sam Hartman looks good. He looked great against NC State on Saturday. And they got a big 21-point win against the Wolfpack. That Notre Dame-Ohio State game is going to be an interesting one. I think Notre Dame could beat Ohio State. I, I, I don't know if I would pick it to happen. But... I'll say this, I'm more confident in Notre Dame at this point in the season than I am Ohio State, which is why that would make me nervous as a Buckeye fan going into that game next week. Um, Alabama's 10 after losing to Texas. Uh, The thing that worries me about Alabama is Jalen Milrow, their new quarterback. It seems like he's more of a runner than a thrower, which can work, but I think Texas dared him to throw, and for the most part, it didn't hurt Texas. Um, so that's your top 10. Some other teams outside the top 10 looking in Tennessee. They struggled a little bit in the first half, but they, they went to move to two and Oh, uh, Utah is tw- number 12. They're two and Oh, they've done it without Cam rising. Who's missed the first two games. Oregon's two and Oh, Bo Nixes look good. LSU is 14. They're one and one with that loss to Florida state. Um, but the story, of co- I can't believe I haven't talked about them yet. The story of college football so far this season has been Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, former Kent State head coach Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator at Colorado, and the Buffaloes. Colorado, they beat TCU 45 42 week one. Then they beat Nebraska week two. They're eight number 18 in the country. Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter are looking like great NFL prospects, looking like Heisman contenders. Colorado, Colorado is selling out the stadium after going 1-9 a year ago. They're already 2-0. and Colorado has been the story of college football so far this season, and it's pretty cool to see. Kudos to Deion Sanders. Kudos to Sean Lewis, someone who I had a great professional, professional relationship with when he was at Kent State. Uh, and I, I'm rooting for Colorado to keep it going. That would be, it'd be a fun story if Colorado could be good again in college football. So, those are really my takeaways from college football so far. So far, so, so good in the college football season. Quickly, let's talk baseball. Start with the Guardians. The Guardians are done. Season's over. They're 68 and 77, seven and a half back of the Twins. Um, Terry Francona said in an interview, I believe it was with MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM. That he feels like it's time. His body is telling him it's time. And that it looks like Tito, the all-time winningest manager in Cleveland Indians slash Guardians history, is going to call it a career and retire after the 2023 season. Uh, It's bittersweet for me because without a doubt, Terry Francona has been the best manager in in my lifetime of the Cleveland Indians-Guardians, my favorite team. And I love the the Indians, Guardians. I love baseball. I love Terry Francona, one of my favorite coaches. I think he, he, without a doubt, has been my favorite coach of, like, a team that I root for. Like, Browns, Guardians, Cavs, Ohio State. Francona's been my favorite coach that I've seen coach one of my favorite teams. So, it's going to be sad to see him go. Um... I thought maybe that they would try and rally around the fact that he's retiring and try to win some of these games at the end of the season, but seems like they have no interest in doing that. There's they've just been really bad. I mean, they've lost three in a row now. They they get walked off again against the Giants last night. I turned that game on at like one in the morning, uh, in the bottom of the tenth inning. Class A comes in, gives up a single, they tie the game. Then the guy steals second, gets the third on a block. And then another single. I'm like, I've seen this movie far too many times this year. The crazy thing is, I think classe is one of the best closers in baseball still. But he has eleven blown saves now. Let's say he he wins half those saves. The Guardians are like two and a half back at this point. You know, I mean it's easy to to say that no with you know, it's easy to say that, but I know that's not how baseball works, but Just a frustrating season all around, you know. Not having Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie for for a long, 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 long time this season hurts. The lineup couldn't get it going. Josh Naylor missed significant time. Miles Straw. The outfield outside of Stephen Kwan is just not producing at a major league caliber level offensively. Um, The bullpens had issues all year. The rookie starters are a bright spot, but you know they're reaching their in- inning limits and not pitching as well. Down the stretch, you trade Ahmed Rosario, Josh Bell, Aaron Savalli. Um. But yeah, you know, with a couple weeks, three or four weeks left in the season, I think now it's time for Cleveland to focus on next year. Uh, get George Valera up. Get. Kyle Manzardo up as soon as he can. Get all these young guys in AAA and these young guys on your roster playing time because you are you should be looking towards the future now because you're not going to catch the Twins. um. You're just not. And I'm interested to see what direction they go with after Terry Franconic. Do they promote within? Do they give Mike Sarbaugh a chance to manage? Do they go back to Sandy Alomar? I don't think Sandy wants the job. I think Sandy's cool with the job he has now. Uh, The reason I bring up Mike Sarbaugh is because he's c- been a manager at every other level of baseball except for the majors, but he's been a longtime assistant under Terry Francona. So if they go in-house, I think Mike Sarbaugh would be the guy they hire as the manager. Do they go for a former player? Maybe a Mike Napoli, who's a coach in Chicago. You know, maybe a Jim Tomey, if he wants to coach, you know? Or do they go the route that I think they should and wait till Kevin Cash's contract is up in Tampa and lure him away from Tampa to come back to Cleveland and manage the the Guardians. I don't know. But it's a shame Francona's never gonna win a World Series in Cleveland, got so close in twenty sixteen, got close again in twenty seventeen, in my opinion. If they beat the Yankees, I think they win it all. And then you don't hear about the Astros cheating scandal. But um what a career for Terry Francona, one of the best managers I've ever w- watched. And uh, it's just a disappointing season for the Guardians. I haven't really cared about them the last two weeks because they haven't played well. And I have watched triple-digit games this year. Um, I've followed this team, and they've just disappointed and let, let me down in like nearly every aspect of the game. Sometimes these seasons happen but they haven't happened a lot under Terry Francona which I think they are going to finish with the worst record under Terry Francona. I believe their previous worst record under Francona was 80 and 82 in the 2021 season. Now I think they're going to probably finish if I had to bet, they're 68 and 77 right now. If I had to bet what their final record record would be, so what what is that? So the best that they could finish 68 plus 77, quick math is 70 times two is 140, so that's 140 plus five, it's 145, so they played 145 games, so they have 17 games left, so the best record they could finish with is 85 and 77 the realistic record i think they're going to finish with is 74 and 88 i think they're going to go 6 and 11 the rest of the way maybe maybe at best 9 and 8 if they can get to 9 and 8 they would be 77 and 85 which the twins are already at 75 and 69 so there's no chance to make the playoffs but enough about the guardians we'll talk about the the league landscape as a whole um, The um, Baltimore Orioles are going to be the top – well, they're winning the American League East by three games over Tampa Bay. But how about the Orioles? 91 wins already? More than the Braves – or no, the, not more than the Braves. Sorry. Best in the American League. I think second best in baseball. Yeah, second best in baseball. I mean, what a season for Baltimore. I knew they'd be good. I didn't think they'd be this good. Then you got Tampa Bay, Toronto – In playoff contention, realistically, still in that division. Minnesota's running away with the Central. Yeah, Houston. The Astros are leading the West now in the American League. Rangers and Mariners very close to wildcard spots. So those two teams will be interesting to watch down the stretch. The Braves already clinched a playoff spot. They're the first team to do that. They're 94-50. and They're trying to get that 106 wins, which would be a Braves franchise record. Uh, the Phillies and the Marlins still realistically in contention for wild card positioning, with the Phillies holding one of those spots. Milwaukee leading the Central by three games over the Cubs. The Cubs have one of the wild card spots. The Reds, two games back of a playoff spot. And then the NL West, the Dodgers lead that division. They're going to run away with that division. Arizona hanging out at one of the wild card spots. San Francisco, a game and a half out of a wild card spot. So that was talking some baseball, and with that, that is going to do it for this week's show. Thank you for listening to the week one recap and everything else we talked about in this week's episode. We will be back next week, recap an NFL week two, previewing week three, and much much more. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Jot Sports Pod. That's at J O T Sports Pod. You can give me a follow on Twitter at the Real J Burns. That's at the Real J B E R N Z, or you can follow me on my professional Twitter at Jack Bernie TV to follow with my TV reporting here in the Hoosier State, if that's something you'd like to check out as well. But until next week, we'll be back with another episode. But until then, I've been Jack Burney signing off. Thank you guys for listening.